I'm going to move this page and go back to our page from last week. So last week, we talked about how our, our basic perspective on life goes from us down here up through the universe. So this little guy down here is us, and then above us is our planet, right? That's the next thing we're in relationship with. And then we're in relationship with our solar system. So we become very small. We're just a little speck on our planet, aren't we? And then we move our planet out into our solar system, and we're kind of not that big. We're not the smallest planet in our solar system, but we're, we're not the biggest either. Jupiter is way bigger. Saturn is way bigger than we are. We're kind of a small player in our solar system game. And when you move our solar system out into the galaxy, we become even smaller. We really don't hardly register. We're just, just a little blip in the solar system. And of course, that's a little blip in the whole cosmos, isn't it? In the, in the giant space of billions and billions of galaxies out in the universe that we can't even identify. There's so much. So that's when we look at ourselves in the world and, and we come here on Sunday and I say, remember, you are God expressing. We go, I'm hardly even a blip in, the, in the, the existence of all time. How important can it be for me to exist and how important can it be for me to be an expression of God? Well, we're looking from our perspective where we are. What happens if we change our perspective? We know that the universe has all different kinds of layers of light, light and energy. That's what we can identify in the universe. So what if that light and energy is funneling down to us as opposed to the other way around? So we demonstrated this last week by turning off the lights in here, and I picked a little tiny screw in the plate around that light on the ceiling. And there are four of them, so I asked you guys to help me identify what it was that I was looking at, and first I used a camping lantern. And that gave us a little light, didn't it? It didn't really show us anything, but it gave us a little bit more light. Kind of like the universe gives us a little bit more light. And then I brought out a flashlight. And that flashlight was a good, it was a good improvement because we could now focus the light. So at least I could shine a, a flashlight beam up there and show you where the metal plate was. But it didn't tell you which of those four screws I was talking about, right? Until we used a laser pointer. And with that laser pointer, I could get such a directed, focused beam that I could show you exactly what I was looking at and what I wanted you to be aware of. So what if the universe were to work that way? What if all the light or all of the energy of the universe is coming to us as a focal point for manifestation? What if we truly are God expressing as the creative power? And we are necessary, as necessary as that very fine laser beam was in identifying what's being created. What if all the energy and light is moving down to us and through us because 
once it comes into us, it has several more layers to go, doesn't it? Because we're not, we don't stop on this outside body. We have, we have systems inside of us. And then inside of those systems, we have molecules. And inside of those molecules, we have atoms and electrons and neutrons and protons and quarks and space. When we get down to the smallest measurement we have, we are energy and space. It's a pretty remarkable thing. What if we are conducting energy and moving it there? Ooh, what if you are a conductor of energy? Let's see if that works. I need three or four volunteers. Come on up here if you're interested. Come on. Come right up, why don't you right up here by me? This is called an energy stick. There's nothing magic about it. It picks up small amounts of energy. Now you all know, you've all been told, your body has energy. If I hold this with one hand, it does nothing. But if I complete the circuit, it does something entirely different. Pretty cool, huh? If I let go, nothing. It does nothing but pick up the energy that is conducted through my body. Just small trace electricity, that's all. Let me show you what's really cool about this. So I want you to hold it. First, you hold both ends. Okay, good. You have energy. (laughs) You're alive. That's a good thing. Now, I want you to hold one end, and I'm going to hold the other here in a minute. I want you to grab Jason's hand, and Jason, you can do it that way, but you're going to have to cross over. Hold Cindy's hand, and Cindy, you're going to come over here and hold my hand. Now, right now, I'm disconnected. Nothing is happening. Oh, Jason, let go. (gasps) Oh, how cool is that? Way cool. Way cool. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. So what does this tell us? It tells us that energy not only is conducted in our body, but that how we connect with people or disconnect from people makes a difference in the circuit between us, in how energy flows. So next time we hold hands for the peace sign and you feel like you got zapped, you did. (laughs) It's true. There is energy moving between you, between all of us when we connect with one another. When we hug each other, we're completing circuits. When we connect with one another, we move energy. When we are up, we feel better. We have a higher frequency. When we are down, we feel worse. We have a lower frequency. So let's talk about this energy. Let's move this. And I'll put this over here. And let's talk about energy. We know that our body conducts energy. We know that energy is moving to us. All all that light, all that Energy of the universe is moving. All, it's all making its way to us. We know that because we see it, don't we? Like it's entering our eyes. 
Otherwise, we could not identify light. It's entering our ears as sound waves. Otherwise, we couldn't hear. It's also affecting us as um, electromagnetic fields that we get from all kinds of equipment and things around us. So we are conductors of energy. What does a conductor do? It directs things, right? Conductor on a train. Get on the train. The train is going this way. We are conductors of energy, and we can conduct low energy, or we can conduct high energy, or anywhere in between there. We measure the energy by frequency. What frequency means is how many of these waves exist between two marks of time. So if this is one point in time and this is another point in time, and time is only that. Time is simply what passes from one thing happening to the next. The space in between we call time. So if we're looking at our timeline and we look at this timeline, we see one, two, three waves in that amount of time. That is the lower of the two. In the same time, and this is not a full wave, we say one, two, three, four, five, and there would be more, wouldn't they, if we extended the line all the way out. So this is a higher frequency of energy waves. When we talk about what your frequency is, we're talking about the energy that you emit. Is it low frequency or high frequency? Let me show you why it matters. Because low frequency and high frequency affect our state of being. So how many of you are familiar with Dr. Masuro Emoto's work with water? A, a lot of you. Dr. Mas- Dr. Emoto did tests with water. And he froze water in different conditions to see whether frequency would affect the water or not. So, uh, and, and the frequency of emotion specifically. So in one of those experiments, he took water from a polluted lake. And when he froze it and took a picture of it, it had no form. It it looked kind of like you would expect water to look. It was just kind of lumpy and bumpy, but no real form. He brought in a group of people to pray over that water, prayed over it, froze it again, and the shape that he got was very similar to what we see when we look at snowflakes. He did this experiment over and over and over again, Uh, using low-frequency music and high-frequency music, using low-frequency emotions and high-frequency emotions, and using low-frequency sound and high-frequency sound. And over and over and over, what he found was the frequency, when frozen, went from muck and chaos to beauty. And so he created a system of measurement that is related to the energy of the body, And these are, and I tried to understand it, but the words were words that scientists should read. (laughs) So you'll just have to trust me on this one because it was, it it didn't, the, the computation, the formulaic way of creating this did not make sense to me. I don't understand enough about the science. But essentially what he showed was the frequency of shame is 20. The frequency of guilt is 30. 
the frequency of grief is 75. The frequency of anger is 150. So how come uh, there's like 100% change between grief and anger? That seems backwards, doesn't it? But if you've ever really experienced grief, grief completely can completely paralyze you. It makes it impossible for you to do anything. You have very little movement. You sit in grief. Anger makes you move. When you're mad, you want to do something. So when you get mad because you've had a loss, sometimes it's the healthy response. It moves you up into functioning. And for that reason, when somebody has had loss and they tell you they're mad, never tell them they shouldn't be. Mad is a healthy way of moving yourself through. They should be able to control it, and you can expect them to control it. But anger is actually a higher frequency emotion than grief is. From anger, we move up to courage, which goes from 150 to 200. From courage to acceptance, which moves us up to a frequency of 350. Peace, which is different than acceptance, isn't it? Peace almost doubles to 300. I'm to 600. And enlightenment up to 700. 700 and above. And enlightenment just means not only am I at peace with it, but I understand more about it. I, I feel like I know. We can be at peace with something and still kind of in the haze of I don't really understand. Enlightenment has to do with achieving peace and understanding at the same time. So these are, if you looked at this wave, it would be really, really tight, wouldn't it? Compared to this wave, which is very long and lanky. Low-density waves, low waves have low density. They make you feel heavy. When you're experiencing shame, guilt, grief, or anger, you feel heavy. When you're experiencing courage, acceptance, peace, and enlightenment, you feel light. It's real. It's not just how you feel. It's what's really happening. So this is important. This is science. This is not spirituality. But our teachers have been teaching us this for eons, haven't they? The spiritual elders have known this for a long time. Science is dovetailing with spirituality and giving us a better understanding because you'd think we're all from Missouri. (laughs) Right? Somebody explain it to them if they didn't get it. Okay, so I'm going to move this back. Now, we have, we have frequency and we have dimensions. So this is our timeline that we talked about before. And on our timeline, we measure what happens between one point and another point. So we're going to call this time. We are moving in a field called time. Then we have dimensions. Write that on there. Right now, we know we live in the third dimension, which actually means we live at the point where we understand three dimensions. We understand length and width and height. 
And that gives us a dimension with which we can move through. So we've moved through three dimensions, and this is where we are. Have you ever heard people talk about the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension, or we're trying to move from the fourth world to the fifth world? There's a lot of metaphysical teaching around that. What we're talking about is moving through dimensions, dimensional spaces to a different way of being. Each of these dimensions is a state of being, and, and it's a, a place for perception. So where we are right now, we can perceive length and width and uh, breadth and depth. We still have other things we know are out there that we can't perceive. We know there are bigger, there are more colors of light than we can see, more sounds than, than we're able to pick up, that there is more in the world that we walk through than we have enough perception to understand. So when we move through dimensions, we're talking about coming to new states of perception. So we also have through here this little line called space which we also know exists and we're still exploring it and learning about it. But let's worry right now about dimensions. If you could look at this, this line, if it was three-dimensional, it would go through the paper rather than sideways. So our, as we move through our dimensions, we learn and we move at a faster frequency. The higher f- frequency you have, the higher you move through the dimensional fields. So... Um, what makes us different than other um, Christian fa- where churches where Christianity is the foundation, one of the many things that makes us different, is that our founders believed in reincarnation. They believed that we lived this life, we came back, we lived it again, we continued to learn, we moved ourselves through the spiral of enlightenment. So let's look at this. So here we are living this lifetime at our frequency, and this life ends, and we know a little bit more. So we shorten our frequency, and this life ends, so we learn a little bit more, and we shorten the frequency. This life ends, we learn a little more, and we shorten the frequency. What's the pattern? Aha. Uh-huh. Interesting, because the Fibonacci um, sequence tells us that the spiral is a, a building block for our world, and it affects us in a lot of different ways. So each time we raise our frequency, we move up on that other page that talks about how close we are to enlightenment or how close we're not to enlightenment, how much we understand and how much we don't understand. It's not all woo-woo. People want you to believe it is when they talk about dimensions and frequencies and, and where we are in our enlightenment journey. They want you to believe it's woo-woo. It's just something people say, but it's not just something people say. We are conductors of energy. We are changing ourselves by how we conduct energy, and we are moving ourselves to a lighter, more powerful state because we're taking energy from the universe and bringing it down to us as a point of manifestation, a laser-sharp point where we are creating. Do you feel a little bit more important in the universe now? You are important in the universe. What you're doing matters. When we come in here and we talk about being God expressing, it's not a joke. It's not a, 
a big grand idea with no substance under it. It's science. It's spirituality and it's science. And it matters. The work that you do, those few hours that you give each week to come here to take what you're learning and take it back out into the world, you're changing things because you're raising your frequency. One of, another thing that science has taught us is that a lower frequency will raise to meet a higher frequency. So when you take your higher frequency self out into the world, just by being you vibrating at your higher frequency, you're changing the world in a good and powerful way and opening people to a new idea, to a new way of thinking. It's big stuff, and it's a little, right? Have you ever had that experience? Like something came into your head, and it just made your brain explode, right? When people say to me, why did, why, in, of all the things that God, that divine principle, that substance of truth, could have created... Why us? Why this? (laughs) Remember that what we understand is that God is not a he, a she, an it, a thing. It's a truth. It's a presence. It's an energy. It's the substance underneath everything. Everything emerges from that field of energy, and we conduct it and and direct it. That's what we do. Everything comes from that field. What if we call that field consciousness? What if we call that field the mind of God? What if in the mind of God, one day, (laughs) what if in the mind of God, a brilliant idea was born? And the idea was, I'm going to make something. And it's going to have oceans and stars and animals and plants and these funny-looking things I'm going to call people. (laughs) Oh, what if they could all talk to each other? What if I gave them different languages and they had to work to talk to each other? What if I only tell them a little bit? Has this ever happened to you? Like a big idea comes in, you decide you want to build a garden in the backyard, and first you're going to build a garden, and then you know exactly where the tomatoes are going to go, and the, the plan keeps evolving, doesn't it? It keeps evolving down to, you know, how's it going to get watered? What's going to happen? When am I going to weed? All that stuff. What are you up to me getting back to? The first idea. I'm going to have a garden. You work your way down to the details and back up, down to the micro and back up to the macro. So what if we are the micro to the divine mind's macro? And we have worked ourselves down to this very fine point of what we're doing now and we're, we've suddenly decided it's time to raise ourselves back up the spiral. And in the mind of God, we are a continually evolving concept. We're continually evolving. I don't know if that's true. I'm I'm not that. I'm this. But it makes sense to me. It's a story I can live with for now until more information comes. I don't know if our if our 
spiral looks like I drew it. It's only what came to me to draw, to try and explain something that is big. What I do know is we're energy. Science has already proven that. What I do know is we're conductors of energy. What I do know is what we're doing here matters. It's really important. And every little change we make in ourself makes the world a different place. I have some quotes for you. Louis Lamour said, the terms we use for what is considered supernatural are woefully inadequate. Beyond such terms as ghost, specter, poltergeist, angel, devil, or spirit, might there not be something more our purposeful blindness has prevented us from understanding? We accept the fact that there may be other worlds out in space, but might there not be other worlds here, other worlds in other dimensions co- coexistent with us? If there are other worlds parallel to ours, are all the doors closed? Or does one here or there stand ajar? Ina Ritz said, no dimensions are closed to the ones in service of universal law. R.G. Reich said, the universe is not a stagnant place where technology stands still and only the few govern its destiny. Rather, it is a multidimensional dynamic entity that interacts with all things, even the very smallest. And what part we each play in it and the effect we have on it is a matter of our own choice. Russell Brand, in his book Evolution, said that, Revolution said this, The world is awash with colors unseen and abuzz with unheard frequencies, undetected and disregarded. The wise have always known that these inaccessible realms, these dimensions that cannot be breached by our beautifully blunt senses, hold the very codes of our existence, the invisible electromagnetic foundations upon which our gross reality clumsily rests. And Brownell Lundrum said this, Love above all else transcends dimensions, the dimensions of time and space. 